0: Let's use their rationale against them. If having an armed SRO in a school saves one child, then having SROs in schools is justified. That is an excellent point to talk back from the iHeartRadio app here on Twin Cities News Talk. My name is John Justice, producer Robbie. Mentioned this a moment ago. Osseo School Board voted Tuesday to leave a sexually explicit graphic novel in the Maple Grove High School Library. Thomas Brooks, one of the three board members who voted to keep this pornography in the schools, along with Jacqueline Muscata-Jones and Tamara Grady, said it does have the potential, as a parent mentioned earlier, to help some students, explaining why he would be voting to leave the book on the shelves. So as we kick things off... Second hour of hour two, state representative Walter
1: Hudson joins me in studio as he does every Tuesday. Good morning, Walter. Good morning. Wow. What did I walk into? How's the fight going? <laughs> you know, it is an honor and a privilege to uh, come out swinging in support of our values, but it can be a tidbit demoralizing to see the the wave upon wave wave. Of insane ideas continue to wash up on shore. I mean like, uh, Governor Tim Walls' <laughs> bat. Easy ideas.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for coming in. Uh, we'll move over to some of the items, uh, in the, uh, working through the, uh, the legislature at the moment. I did want to, you know, stop here and talk a bit, uh, a bit about this. You know, I, I honestly, at this point in time, I was surprised to see at least three of the school board members vote to keep this book out of the Maple Grove High School library. But the, the arguments coming from those in defense of this, I mean, it's, it's it's absurd. There's no yeah. there's no other way to describe these arguments as simply absurd that if it helps one student, then we have to leave this pornography. It's appropriate to leave this pornography, uh, you know, uh, available to uh, the high school students. Well, and helps
1: how and and I know exactly how this type of argument goes down, because I went through the same thing in 2022 with the uh, STMA school district, um, my home school district or my both my sons attend um, where there's a book that's taught in the ninth grade. English curriculum um, that has a visceral first-person depiction of a 13-year-old girl being raped. Like, it describes, from her perspective, what it feels like to be raped. That's in this book, and that book is in the—not in a library. It's in the ninth-grade English curriculum. It is taught and discussed in co-ed classrooms in schools, in my school district. And you would think, you know, I I, at the time when this was brought to my attention, I was naive enough to think, well, gee, if we just sound the alarm, if we just let people know, surely everyone will agree that this is absolutely absurd and obviously must be some kind of mistake and needs to get out of the school. Boy, I'll tell you what. I, I have never run against such incredible pushback, as I did um, working with parents in that school district to try to get that book out from the curriculum uh, put in front of 15-year-old kids in ninth grade. And the arguments that they brought to bear are very similar to the arguments that you're talking about. Oh, you know, this is something that happens to students. We have students who suffer sexual assault. And so for their sake, we need to work through that trauma in a classroom with a whole bunch of kids who haven't gone through it. We need to what this is, is it's it's trauma equity. It's the idea that if one student has had a traumatic experience, Mm -hmm. we need to normalize that by exposing everybody else to it. And we're all going to go through it together. That is an absurd and abusive argument. And yet it's the argument that seems to prevail in a lot of these school districts. Yeah,
0: I'm with you. I would have thought that this when it came to our children. And it wasn't all that long ago. I mean, we're just talking a couple of years where I would have thought that the children would have we would have drawn the line there over these particular issues. Like you can still have your progressive views. You can still vote DFL. But when it comes to the children, they're off limits. And that's not the case anymore. No. The, 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 the party ideologies pushing back against the opposition, mm-hmm. winning the argument, every excuse is made, and it's now leaving our most vulnerable vulnerable on almost every single level. I, there's a part of me that would like to be optimistic that if we got more of the truth out there that maybe it could enact change, but at this point – My mentality is more just making as many common sense, rational individuals aware of what's happening in hopes that we can spark change at the ballot box when the time comes.
1: Well, and so subsequent to that, of course, um, earlier this year, we had uh, the kerfuffle up in the Elk River School District where two conservative school board members, John Anderson and Mendy Fryberg, were censured for being conservative. Um, and for, and for such listed crimes as talking to their constituents, asking questions, wanting to know what the content of curriculum is, um, things like that. Uh, and what I realized at that point, when you go down the rabbit hole a little bit deeper is that it's, it's not that people don't care. It isn't. You can sound the alarm and people will get their, their feathers ruffled as well. They should. The, the reason things don't change Is because it's systemically and structurally. This is the great irony. Because what are the what's the other side we're talking about? Systemic issues, systemic problems. Right. The real systemic issue is they have fully disconnected, and this is especially true of school districts. They have fully disconnected the governance of school districts from the values of communities. Fully. You have nothing to say about how your child will be taught. It is structurally set up so that your school board simply does not matter. Your school board exists, and and they are trained from the moment that they're elected by the training that they get from the Minnesota School Board Association. They exist for the purpose of supporting and uplifting and affirming the staff and whatever the staff want to do. And we all know the ideological pedigree, Of most people who go into this profession, it's extreme left wing. And that's why you're seeing this pornography in schools, because the people who are actually in control of your child's education are not elected by you. And the people who are elected by you are cowed and corralled into doing whatever the administrator says. And we're reaching a level now where.
0: Even trying to deal with it at the local level. Is going to be near impossible. So, and I'm not trying to, you know, to to take to take the momentum away or 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 or, or discourage anybody. It's important that we still get. Rational, common sense individuals on school boards. But now, I mean, we're going all the way to the top with what Walls is putting in mm-hmm. with yeah. ethnic study standards. I have a story that I haven't had a chance to dive into, but the individuals who were tasked with looking at the ethnic study standards, which are all, um, critical race theory based. It's yes. all, based, it's all based on Marxism. Right. The individuals that were tasked with examining it actually criticized it, saw it for as bad as what it was, and Walls, and the left just simply ignored it. They ignored mm-hmm. their own experts to get this passed. So even if we get individuals at the school board level, you might be able to keep some of this garbage and trash out of the schools. But make no mistake, there's a mandate from the state to indoctrinate the kids in this same type of curriculum.
1: Yeah, what I'll say is is that can you still elect good people to school boards? And should you? Absolutely. And do they have the ability to dance between the raindrops and defend your kids from a lot of this nonsense? Yes, they do. They absolutely can do that. But you need to have a you need to have a coordinated and well supported by the community effort. To accomplish that. Yeah. Um, If you send one or two people into a seven-member school board or a five-member school board expecting there to be dramatic change, it's not going to happen. You need to have a concerted effort to get a majority elected on these school boards. And and then once they're elected, they need to be both supported and held accountable by the community uh, to actually make the dramatic Policy changes and staffing changes that are going to be necessary. I mean, listen, somebody who advocates for putting porn in front of kids should be fired. Period. Oh, yeah. Period. 100%. There should be no hesitation. None. 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 And yet there is. It is, it is a, t- listen, it is a condemnation of our entire society that we are even having this conversation. It is mm-hmm. so ridiculous that we have to pause for even a second to consider whether or not smut should be in front of our children, funded by the state, funded by our tax dollars, and yet that's the place we find ourselves, and we are the reason why. Your tolerance of this insanity is the reason why, so stop
0: tolerating it. And and I want to play this clip again, and this is Osseo School's school board meeting, book that we're talking about, trying to be read during the school board meeting. The school board member who voted to keep the book there, won't even allow the passages to be read in public. Page 19. I laid a towel on the sheet in case I bled. Natalie and then I watched Seth. Roll. I'm going to interrupt you for a minute. I'm yes. sorry. Um, last month we had some kids in the audience and some of the um, language was offensive to some.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's exactly it. So I think we should continue, Jackie, because that's exactly my point.
0: It doesn't matter. Yeah, it I mean, just the, the hypocrisy, hypocrisy, and I've said this many times on the show. It just, it's, it's, it's not a negative anymore. No, it, to be to be a hypocrite, it doesn't matter. It's all about your side winning.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, th- there was a the gal I can't remember her name off the top of my head who runs libs of TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, recently had a mainstream media interview where but Taylor Lorenz, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, Lorenz, where Lorenz was confronting her and saying, you know, people who you retweet uh, receive death threats. Don't you feel responsible for that? And she comes back and says, Well, you know, I, I got a, when you guys did an article on me the other day, I got a bunch of death threats. Are you responsible for that? Uh, 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 well, <laughs> it's not the same because I'm a reporter. <laughs> uh, we have some special sacred status that enables us to do whatever we want and then turn around and blame you for doing the exact same thing. Hypoc- they are invulnerable to accusations and revelations of hypocrisy because they don't have principles. Yeah. Their one principle is you must be destroyed and they must win. That's their only principle and there is nothing they will not do to achieve it.
0: Well, and now you know, they're going to look at at punishing your your standards, your freedom of religion. The yeah. thing the the thing that you value most if you're a Christian, they want to target that with this ERA bill. And it's not just going to be right now you know, there's this focus, and I'll talk about this a little bit more next hour. This is focused on Christian nationalism. They're, they're, they're mainstreaming the bias against Christianity that that's existed for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But that'll be the first target, but it won't, it won't end there. It's not going to end there. It'll, it, I don't even care if you're not even a Bible believing Christian. Right. If you just have a good moral center, common sense, and you're rational, if you even lean in at all to agree with, say, the tenets of the Bible or ten commandments, they will eventually come after you as well. And we're already seeing the split within other Religious demographics in the state, when you look at what's happened with the Muslim community here yep. at St. Louis Park, it's already happening there. You're seeing the split. It will not stop at Christianity. There are people that will <laughs> applaud and going, yes, go after those evil Christians, those hate mongers. It won't end there. You know it won't end there. I know no. it's not going to
1: end there. Well, because we've seen it before. This is exactly what happened in Mao's China. This is a cultural revolution that we're experiencing right now. This is a color revolution um, where you engage in these struggle sessions to try to uh, sort out the impure and punish them. And they start with Christians because, you know, we are the baseline. Um, we're, we're the ones who are bringing the standard to bear and fight for it most vigorously. And once you get us out of the way, then, you know, who else is left? Who's going to uphold these values? Right. Um, it's, it's I mean, listen. We just talked about the fact that you've got smut in front of kids and their parents and teachers and community members have not risen up to a critical mass level to fix that. Mm -hmm. All right. So clearly there is a lack of chutzpah. There is a lack of willingness to engage in the fight and defend our own children in our society Um, to the extent that there is. Any chutzpah in that regard, it's largely coming from the Christian community. It's largely coming from, from the Jewish community. It's largely coming, even, we've seen, from the Muslim community, from these Abrahamic faiths. You get those guys out of the way, and there's nothing to stop the the Maoist cultural wave that is currently making its way through with American characteristics.
0: I just want to attach a side story to this. I found it this morning. won't get into all the details of it, but... Um, Nude images of middle school students created by classmates using artificial intelligence are roiling a Beverly Hills school district. It's the latest in an emerging trend that's prompting calls for legislation. Officials in California's Beverly Hills Unified School District are working with the Beverly Hills Police to identify both the victims and the perpetrators of an undisclosed number of nude images reported by the students at the the Beverly Vista Middle School uh, last week. On Wednesday, the administration there received reports from students about the creation and dissemination by other students of artificial intelligence generated images that superimpose the faces of our students onto AI generated nude bodies. As the investigation is progressing, more victims are being identified. We're taking every measure to support those affected and prevent any further incidents. I mean, it's it's horrific. I I can't imagine the the trauma uh, that would ensue from this type of thing happening. But, gee, I wonder why this is happening. I wonder why the children, not, not to say that with what's happening right now within our schools and the indoctrination, this still wouldn't be taking place. But at a bare minimum, we're certainly not helping. No. No. Because because we've mainlined sexuality and we've spoon fed it to children that aren't ready to handle it yet at a time when children are already dealing with that just through life in and of itself. We all right. did. We were growing up in our right. Now the adults are actually encouraging this. And so how confused must you be as a child? To see other individuals go and get in trouble for this kind of explicit material when the, when the adults are there saying and, and, you know being champions of you having this in front of you in your schools and fighting for your ability to go and look at pornography. Well, let's,
1: let's, be, let's pivot to a little bit of optimism, okay? Please. Um, <coughs> kids are not stupid. Sure. They are resilient, and they are inherently rebellious. And the interesting thing about youth rebellion... Is that it works either way, right? So it can work towards a kind of destructive counterculturalism, and it can also work towards a productive counterculturalism. And I see a lot of evidence of a productive counterculture amongst the youth rising up, where they are looking at their authority figures and saying, "What the hell is wrong with you people? This is insane. This is not. We, we are. We. We." As, as, as youth are looking at you and seeing how miserable and dysfunctional you are and asking ourselves, why are we taking your advice <laughs> right. on how we should live our lives and what our values should be and how promiscuous we should be and how we should just embrace all of this filth and nonsense? Maybe there's something to what your parents thought about how they should live their lives. Maybe there's something to what our grandparents and great-grandparents and, and the generations before them, maybe they had their finger on the pulse of how this should work. Maybe there's something to marriage. Maybe there's something to family. Maybe there's something to meaningful relationships that actually value persons as opposed to flitting about using each other as toys and suffering the physical results of that and the a mental and emotional trauma that comes with being devalued and devaluing others. There is a movement amongst our youth, and you need to look no farther than Turning Point USA and a lot of Mm -hmm. the work that they do, uh, to counter that nonsense. And I think that ultimately uh, that movement is going to prevail.
0: It's... um it's tough. I agree with you. I see it too. I mean, just being on on TikTok and the social uh, you know, the social uh, media platforms, you do see a lot of young people that are out there producing really quality content yep. pushing against this. It takes time. It's tough when We see this on a daily basis. We see how ludicrous it is and we want it to stop immediately, you know, but these things, they don't turn on a, they don't turn on a dime, unfortunately. I mean, that's why we have to stay, stay in the fight and stay, and stay engaged. Um, shifting gears a bit. Let's uh, go here in some of the time we have left. Uh, a West Metro lawmaker sponsoring legislation that she promises will significantly subsidize the cost of child care for middle-class families across Minnesota officially introduced her proposal in bill form at the Capitol this week. This is the households earning up to $174,000 would qualify for child care subsidies under this DFL bill. Um, Unfortunately though, the language and many of the details surrounding uh, the structure of the Great Start Affordability Program and at what income levels might be eligible. The bill contains placeholders as opposed to the dollar values Mm -hmm. for the bottom line Cost to the taxpayers. Mm-hmm.
1: And listen, in all fairness, it's not unusual, at least it hasn't been in my tenure under a Democrat trifecta, mm-hmm. to have bills with gaping holes where the appropriation should go, where we're hearing bills in committee that don't have fiscal notes, so we don't know how much they're going to cost. In this case, it's particularly jarring just because of the very obvious scope of the proposal. You are talking about paying for everybody's childcare, you are talking about capping the amount that families pay at 7% of their household income and just having the state pick up the rest, whatever that may be, with no cap whatsoever. So a, a uh, child care facility could go from charging, I think the average is $16,000 a year that they're charging. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could just double that overnight to thirty two, And <sighs> the state's just going to pick up the tab. Uh, there's nothing in the bill, as currently written, to prevent that. Um, and so the question of how much is this going to cost is really important. It's kind of a big deal. And instead, what we've gotten is 80% of a sales pitch that I've heard multiple, multiple times where all it is is the features and benefits, right? That's how sales pitches typically go. It's like, look at, look at this product. Look at this service. Look at what it could do for you. All these wonderful things that it's going to enhance in your life and you finally get to that t- last 20%, and that's when they drop, and it's only $99.99 or whatever the cost is, <laughs> sure. right? Um, we've never gotten to that last 20%. They won't tell us what it costs. And in the context of a government program, it's not just what's the cost today. It's can we sustain that going forward? If you're talking about adding billions of dollars to the state's budget, Where is that money going to come from? Not just today, but tomorrow, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, because that's how government works. It doesn't have an expiration date, right? So you need to have a plausible plan for how you're going to fund this glorious project that you're presenting to us. And to date, we have seen nothing even remote. Not only have we not seen any suggestion of what this might cost, but as in committee, I and others ask these questions, they look at us like they're, like they're confused, like they don't understand why we would even be thinking about the cost or wondering how much it costs or how it's going to be paid for. And I, I have to wonder either on the one hand if they're just incredibly insincere um, in their approach or if they're legitimately so incompetent that it's never occurred to them that this is actually going to have to be paid for. And it, and it may be that second thing because built into the cake of their worldview is this idea that there's going to be so-called return on investment. Like they'll say things like, well, every $1 you spend on early childhood education, you get a $7 in return. So (laughs) it's like a seven to one return on investment. And they just say that like, like as if, as if, okay, let's just pretend that's true. Right. Okay. That, if you if you spend a dollar here you're going to get 7 dollars here at some point in the future you can't find people who are willing to take that bet in the, in the market like sure. private like right. you can't find an investor who's interested in a seven fold return on their money i would think that that's a pretty easy sell that that is a last 20% of the sales pitch that would be pretty effective hey not only are you going to get all these features and benefits for all the children and their families, but you're also going to make 700% on your money. Hoo-wee! Right? Like, if that's true, then you should be able to get the buy-in. But the, they believe it in spite of the absurdity. They actually think that this is going to pay for itself. You had Dave Pinto, who's the chair of the Children and Families Committee, last year talking about the magic money tree, and this is what he was referencing, is the more money you spend, the more money you're going to get in the future. Okay, show me show me how that works. What if that's true then you should be able to, you should be able to say okay this is going to cost 1 billion dollars and in 2047 we're going to get 7 billion dollars back. Show me how that works and I will vote with you. But they haven't because they can't. State Representative Walter
0: Hudson uh, in studio before I let you go. shorter session. A lot is being introduced how much um can you even put a percentage we're into week 3 i know we were kind of early on last week but with everything that's being introduced right now do you expect a lot of these big items are going to move through is it still too early i'm just curious to kind of get a gauge from you the appetite moving forward during what was supposed to be a you know a relatively simple legislative session where we didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of these types of bills but now
1: we do yeah i mean there, so a couple of things have happened that have seemed to have stalled the legislative process in St. Paul. Um, the first was their inability to get a quick fix on SROs, mm-hmm. um, and then there was this situation in Burnsville uh, that has has for good reason um, taken up everybody's bandwidth and attention and had a direct impact upon. The, the pace of activity in St. Paul. Today we have precinct caucuses, which you should all be going to your precinct caucuses tonight, 7 p.m. Go look up Caucus Finder, Minnesota. Um, and so there's not any legislative work going there on there today at the Capitol. Um, tomorrow, half the day, is there's not going to be any legislative business because we're all going to be, most of us are going to be in Eden Prairie at the memorial for um, the first responders who were slain. Um, appropriately, And so those two things, the SRO kerfluffle and um, the Burnsville tragedy, have really kind of put a uh, some speed bumps in the process. And aside from that, there does seem to be, as we've talked about before, a weird <laughs> dynamic taking place within the majority caucuses where there's this struggle on the one hand to make it quick and easy, get in, get out, do a bonding bill, not pass a whole lot of stuff. Um, but the activists are just—they just can't help themselves in terms of um, trying to organize around these insane ideas like sanctuary state and banning all guns and um, a gazillion other things. So I don't know. I—it's—it's it's yet to be seen. They are burning up legislative days and not getting a whole lot accomplished. Um, so maybe they're just going to run out of time. Um, but. Time will tell. We'll see. But we'll catch back up with you uh, next week.
0: Thank you so much for the time this morning. i State Representative Walter Hudson, and uh, we'll talk to you on Tuesday next week. Sounds good. Coming up. We'll talk a little bit about those uh, caucuses. Uh, Minnesota top Republican and Democrat make joint appearance to urge people to head on out to the precinct uh, caucuses. We'll give you details on that. Also, uh, we'll revisit briefly the issue of uh, books. There's a fantastic piece by Katherine Wigfall, Center of the American Experiment, regarding a bill, a DFL bill on book banning. We'll give you details on that next in the third hour of this morning's show here on Twin Cities News Talk.